Okay. First of all, let me say it's always sweet to uh, be in Tucson. I was going to say to speak in Tucson, but just to be in Tucson is just a treat for me. Uh, the reason why is all of you. But we have such uh, wonderful people in, in Houston, uh, Tucson. Uh, we were talking the other night. Tucson seems to be kind of a chakra. It's a uh, chakra, uh, a collection, something that draws spiritually minded people. You see, so this seems to be an area like that. Chakra has other meanings too, but okay. Today's verse. I got this inspiration from uh, a long time, forty-one year devotee friend. I just happened to look at his Facebook today. I had other intentions. But I saw his Facebook. His name is Arjuna Das. He's a wonderful friend of mine. And I saw he, he puts a lot of good quotes on uh, Facebook. And I saw that he had this one. Seventh, uh, seventh chapter, verse 10 in Bhagavad Gita. Now the title today is How to Find and Utilize Your Spiritual Intelligence. The difference between spiritual intelligence and material intelligence. Material intelligence may be, I know how to be a doctor, a lawyer, uh, like that, you know. I know how to repair computers, I know how to fix cars, I know how to build houses. That's, spirit, that's material intelligence. So, uh, before we get started, uh, what is spiritual intelligence? Anybody? Huh? Huh? knowledge of God can being um, somebody who's a carpenter can that be spiritual intelligence too how do it, for God. do it for God if you do it for Krishna it becomes spiritualized so that becomes bhakti yoga doing something for God add the element of love and, and he becomes very happy very pleased so, having said that, let's move on. I'm going to quote the verse in Sanskrit, and then I'll read. Once I'm finished reading, ask your questions or make your comments at any time. You don't have to wait till the end. This is not a lecture. This is, hopefully it'll be a discussion if you'll discuss with me. Okay? It's only a discussion if you join in. Okay? All right. <clears throat> Bijamam sarva bhutanam vidhi parta sanatanam budhir budhinam budhinat tam ashmi tejas tejas vinamaham. That's not Texas, Texas. That's tejas tejas. When I do this verse in Texas, some people think I'm talking about Texas. But. Translation, O son of Prita. Know that I am the original seed of all existences, the intelligence of the intelligent, and the prowess of all powerful men. Who knows what prowess means? Huh? Ability. Yeah, superb ability. When you have a high ability, it's prowess. Generally, that term was used towards a warrior. A warrior is heroic. He's very, uh, very good, very uh, heroic in battle. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. 
but before I go on, I'd like to uh, offer uh, and wish a happy Father's Day to my eternal spiritual father, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada, on this Father's Day. He has been my father for so long, and, uh, and he will be eternally. Purport. Bijam means seed. Krishna is the seed of everything. Okay, there's the first. We also promised we were going to give you ten ways to improve your life. There's the first one. We may not get them all ten out, but let's go with the first one there. Krishna is the seed of everything. What, what does this mean, the seed of everything? Oh, the seed. The starting of everything. Yeah, the beginning of everything. Okay. Krishna is the seed of everything. There are various living entities, movable and inert, birds, beasts, men, and plants. However, they are inert. Wait a minute. I, I, I have a, a reading disorder and it just happened. So. Birds, beasts, men, and other living creatures are, are moving living entities. Trees and plants, however, are inert. They cannot move, but only stand. Every entity is contained within the scope of 8,400,000 species of life. Some of them are moving, some of them are inert. In all cases, however, the seed of their life is Krishna. As stated in the Vedic literature, Brahman, or the Supreme Absolute Truth, is that from which everything is emanating. So that's point two, but it goes hand in hand with point one. So if, if sometimes people ask me when I travel around, what is your definition of God? Huh? And I think if you're a, if you're a theist, we should all have the same definition. Definition of God is He from which everything emanates, the source of all sources, the beginning of everything, the seed of everything, and the seed giving Father. Okay, life, everything comes from the Supreme Godhead. Krishna is Parabrahman, the Supreme Spirit. Brahman is impersonal, and Parabrahman is personal. Boy, a lot of people want to argue about that. Brahman, people think, well, you know, at the, uh, at the time of death, perfection of yoga is to go merge into the Brahman, the impersonal Brahman, the, the, the light. You know, when people have these near-death experiences, they all seem to say, well, I, 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 I was approaching the light. I felt myself being drawn to the light. It's always the same. We find in the Vedas we, that, yes, there is this brilliant, this dazzling effulgence so those with a poor fund of knowledge think that dazzling effulgence, that bright light, that's it. That's everything. That's God. I mean, it's a good assumption, if you want to assume. But let's use intelligence. This is, again, we're, we're drawing on spiritual intelligence. Okay. For instance, I'm sitting under a light right now. And I can look up. It's a very bright light somewhat warm, white. And I can see this light and I can think, oh man, that's fabulous. You know, it's bright, it's warm, it's soothing. But there is a source to that light. There's this little 
thing in there that when the electricity passes through it, it glows and gives off the light. And I can't see that. I can't see the source when I look into the light. I can only see the light. So if I had a poor fund of intelligence, I might think that, that the light is just, that's, is, that's it, it's just the light, you see. Intelligence means, what is the source of this light, you see? So the dazzling effulgence that we see when we're approaching the Supreme comes from Him. It's His glow. But there is a source to it, just like there's a source to this light. You see, Krishna is giving off this dazzling effulgence. When Lord Shiva approached, uh, and the other demigods approached Lord Krishna, they had to ask Lord Krishna for help. And Lord Shiva begged Lord Krishna, Please take away your dazzling effulgence so that I might see your beautiful form. Give me eyes to see through the light. It's like asking the sun, take away your glare so I can see your surface. I want to see the, or the origin of this light. You see, I want to, I want to be personal with you. See? So, uh, the impersonal Brahman has its personal origin, but it's not the all in all. So a lot of people like to think that it is the all-in-all. Okay, and we'll talk more about that later. The impersonal Brahman is situated in the personal aspect that is stated in Bhagavad Gita. Therefore, originally, Krishna is the source of everything. He is the root. As the root of a tree maintains the whole tree, Krishna, being the original root of all things, maintains everything in this material manifestation. This is also confirmed in the Vedic literature in the Kata Upanishad 2.2.13. Nitya nityanam chetanas chetanam eka bahunam yo vidhati kanam. He is the prime eternal amongst all eternals. He is the supreme living entity of all living entities, and he alone is maintaining all life. One cannot do anything without intelligence. And Krishna also says that he is the root of all intelligence. Unless a person is intelligent, he cannot understand the supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna. So, uh, once again, Krishna says, O son of Pritha, know that I am the original seed of all existences, the intelligence of the intelligent and the prowess of all powerful men. What Krishna is saying here is that whatever you're looking for, I have it. Because everything, everything emanates from me. Okay? So let's say that we're looking for... Huh, give me a word. What, is, what's, is, what, what are you looking for? Anybody? Happiness. Happiness. Where do you get it? Huh? Yeah. But they say I can get it down at the 7-Eleven. They've got 12 packs of... Uh, uh, light beer uh, uh, for six ninety nine or whatever. You know, I'm just making it up. It's only temporary. Yeah, but I mean, boy, six ninety nine for twelve cold ones. Hot day. You see? Yes. What about when 
lot of people say happiness is inside of you. That's great. Happiness is inside of you. Okay? So, that means everybody that says that should be happy. Happiness is inside you. But how do we get it? And if, if happiness is inside of me, then I don't have to approach Krishna, do I? And he's the source of all happiness. But it is inside of me. Because Krishna is inside of me too. The Paramatma. I am the Atma, and Krishna is the Paramatma, the Super Soul. The Christians call that the, uh, 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 the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We agree, same thing. The Holy Spirit. In other words, he, He's with us. So Krishna is in my heart, next to me. I'm the, the, the Atma, the living entity, lives in the body, stays in the body in the region of the heart. Not necessarily in the heart, but in that region. And right next to me is uh, Krishna as Paramatma. And he's simply with me. So when I'm wanting to find self-realization, and I say, you look at the yogis that look within to find the self, I'm not looking to find me. I need my identity. I want to find self-realization. But I'm looking to find God next to me. You see? So I can find happiness inside. But I need to look for the right thing. Some people, it's easy because of false ego to think that, to put too many eyes, me's, and minds in my life. I can find happiness. I can do this. I, you know. So many people, as I said many times, um, they tell me that I think what we need to do is to learn to love ourselves. <coughs> And that sounds so poetic, doesn't it? And I say we probably love ourselves way too much. <laughs> you know? Because I'm loving myself so much, I'm missing out on, on how much fun it is to love you. I can't appreciate you and your good aspects because I'm comparing you to me and I'm envious. When I hear someone who's good at kirtan, I think, oh, Boy, it's not good at me. I'm, well, maybe he is, but all right, I'll do better. I'll show him. You know? You see? There's. <laughs> we love ourselves a little too much. We need to start learning to love everybody else. That will bring us peace. That'll bring peace to the world if everybody loved everybody else. Okay? So how can I direct my love to everybody? I need to direct my love to the source of love. Krishna's compared here to the root of a tree. And if you have a plant, boy in Arizona you can identify with this, if you've got a plant and the leaves are starting to dry up a little bit, it probably means that it needs a little bit of water. So you've got dry leaves. What if you pour water on the leaves? Is that going to help it? Where do I need to put the water? On the root. If I water the root of the plant, all the twigs and branches and the leaves get the benefit. So where should I send my love? To Krishna. He's the root. Once I learn to love Him, all living entities get the benefit. You see? It's, 
And not only that, I also learn how I'm learning how to love transcendentally by loving God. That makes me uh, able to love you properly. As a matter of fact, once we learn to love God just a little bit, we're going to notice all these wonderful living entities around us and have great appreciation for them. We see them in a different way. We see through eyes that have been cleansed. You see. We see not just the human beings, all living entities. The plants, the trees, the birds. You see, we'll stop uh, killing the cows. Can somebody close that door? Reminds me of India. People always leave the door open. <laughs> yes. So why do we see so many examples of people who love God but don't love other living entities? They're not loving God totally. They're not loving Him properly. They're not. It doesn't mean that they don't love Him at all, but it means that they haven't learned the process fully. You know. So that's like um, when you check into a hospital. There are many people that have been there a long time, and they're pretty much well. They're going to be. Some of them are going home tomorrow. They're going to check out tomorrow because they've been cured. Some people have been there about halfway through, so they've made a lot of progress, but they still have progress to go. Some people checked in yesterday, and they're still really sick, but they're starting to take their medicine and showing a little bit of improvement. So spiritual life is like that. All along the way, there's people all through the spectrum. There's some people who've been, who've been practicing and taking the medicine for a long time. And there are some people who just haven't been at it long enough. And there's some people that have been taking medicine for a long time, but they got off their medicine. They didn't listen to their doctor, the guru, the spiritual doctor. And they've had a relapse. And now they have to chant more, they have to uh, read more, they have to, so people do like that. So these people that have a little bit of struggle, they need and deserve our love more than, than anybody. And when somebody's in trouble, they need our love more than ever, you see. Even though they may say things that hurt our feelings. It's like if you go out to save a drowning man or lady, they're out there fighting. Ah, you know. And you have to be careful and grab them from behind in a certain way so they don't hit you and grab you and drink, drag you down, you see. They don't mean to hurt you. They don't want to hurt you. They're just frantic, you see. Panic. So, sometimes people may be having spiritual difficulty and we need to help them. We help them with our love and our faith. We engage them in, in devotional service. They may push you away and say, you fool. You have any brains you recognize that I'm more advanced than you. You see? So you don't say, yeah, you know, well, the heck with you. You say, well, you know, that, that's probably true. But, you know, let's go do some kirtan together. You know, let's take prasadam. No matter what you think about me, I really and truly care for you. You see, I will always be your friend, no matter what you do. It reminds me of when uh, I have a sister that's in the hospital right now. She's older than me. Uh, she's in her 70s, and she's got uh, 
advanced ovarian cancer. It's not looking good. And I remember, you know, when, when you lose somebody or you're about to lose somebody, you remember things through life, you know. I remember when I joined the Hare Krishna movement 41 years ago. She's a, she's a very strict Christian, very much, you see. Always has been. Very good, devoted. And she was wondering, well, why don't you want to give your life to Christ? And I said, well, in a way, I am. And we talked back and forth, and she quoted from the Bible, I quoted from the Bhagavad Gita, and we went back and forth. We weren't really arguing, we were discussing. And after a couple of hours of this, she said, well, I just want you to know that you're my brother, and I'll always love you, no matter what you do. Nothing can ever change that. And that was like 41 years ago. And she said that again and again through the years when she would say, boy, I really like what you're doing. I follow you on Facebook. You're all over the world. This is amazing. I just wish that you would do it for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to know that I love you and I always will, no matter, no matter what you do, you see. So uh, we should develop that soft sweetness of heart if we're chanting Hare Krishna, it should soften our heart and mellow us, you see, to where we're, we're feeling this love uh, and affection for all living entities. All living entities, you, you see. And, and when you develop an intelligence like that, you look around and you've got a world of beautiful people, you see. You can see beauty in everyone. Like because we're, we're looking past whatever faults may be there. The living entity, the pure spirit soul, is just that. We are you, all of you, the trees, the grass, the moving and the non-moving entities are all pure spirit soul, temporarily confused, thinking that you're something other than a pure spiritual eternal soul. We're thinking we're human beings, we're thinking we're dogs or cats, or you know, this big beautiful eucalyptus tree out here is convinced that it's a eucalyptus tree. It acts just like a eucalyptus tree. Sometimes it has me fooled, you know. But the true understanding is there's a living entity, there's a soul in there. And for whatever reason, through some sort of desires and karmic reaction, that entity is standing there in that tree. You see? And we can see that the thing is so beautiful. Now, we can also find fault. Drops bark all over, the leaves fall all over. The, you've got to go out there and pick up the leaves every day. So if we look in one way, we can say, this thing is really a pain. I mean, it's just, you look at another way, you think, this, this guy is beautiful, you see. We can do that with all living entities. Why not the human beings, the people around us? Yes, we have faults. We have faults. Some of us are misbehaving. That's okay. That's all right. We love you anyway. You see? We will strive to help you any way we possibly can. And we can do it because we know uh, the prescription. We know what you should do to go home, back to Godhead. We know what you should actually be. A devotee of Krishna can see the end. We can see the end. 
see. We're not just wandering around. I ask many people, a lot of times I'm, um, I'm giving a, a lecture, I hate that word, but it describes it, I guess, in a, a, a yoga salon, you see. And many people who come to yoga salons, they really believe that God is just this light. You know, there is no source to the light. The light is the source, you see. And I ask them, what will you get when you achieve liberation? They'll admit, I, I want liberation. I want to get out of this material world. I say, well, what is it that you're looking for? What will you do? Oh, well, and you can tell, well, they haven't really thought a lot about that, you know. What will you achieve? I'll achieve peace. Okay, that's, that's great, you know. So, here you are. You're merged in the light. Everything's real bright. And you're impersonal, which means you don't have fingers and ears and eyes. and You, you don't have senses. Okay? And you're really peaceful. All right. What next? What are you going to do with that peace? <laughs> Whatever you do. You'd be like this. Boy, I'm peaceful. Peaceful boy, it's great to be peaceful. Is there anybody else here that's peaceful? I'm really peaceful over here. Oh God, you don't have senses. Oh, neither do I. I can't communicate. Well, let me try a telepathic thing. And, you know. So after a while, it, it may take millions of years. You might say, you know, I want more. I'm looking for more than this. I'm here and I'm peaceful, and this is great, but I, I want more. Because when you're merged in this beautiful light, this dazzling effulgence of Krishna's, what is it that you cannot feel that will drive you crazy? What kind of relationship? Loving, loving relationship. I can't feel love. What's there to love? I'm loving that I'm peaceful, okay? I hear, I'm loving me, uh, but I don't feel any love coming to me. You know, some people say, well, the light in itself is love. All right, now, God is love. But you're not, you're not having a loving exchange. You're not having that relationship. We want to exchange love. I give you, you give me, we have a loving uh, exchange, you see. So therefore, the living entity, after some time, turns around and comes back where they came from, to the material world. And they go at it again. Now they're looking for something else. Sometimes we meet people on our quest, you know, and we know, we can tell, we look at people, we say, wow, you've been here before but you've also left. I think you've gone to the impersonal Brahman. You're one of the ones that the Vedas talk about that said, all right, enough of this. I'm going to go back and get more. So there are people amongst us that have been liberated. But you didn't stay because it wasn't satisfying. So you're back in this material world and you're looking for satisfaction. You see? You're looking for love. I 
want to love and I want I want a loving exchange and not a cheap love nothing cheap I want it to last forever you see so uh, that's the nature of people uh, who have returned to this material world looking for love who knows how many amongst us did that but I guarantee you there's some here in this room that this isn't your first go around you've been liberated and you've returned and therefore you're more much more intense now in your demands you see you've become a little bit more uh, wise you see so uh, we've got a couple of minutes for some questions or comments so anybody yes mother Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita that people are born with divine and demonic tendencies. What do you do with people who have demonic tendencies and you have to work with them or mm. deal with them? And you can see that no matter how much you may try to uh, be kind, compassionate, understanding, it's very difficult because they're operating from a whole different plane. So how do you how do you deal with them? And you're forced to deal with them. <coughs> uh, I was going to ask you. You're forced to deal with them. You're, you're forced, forced to, to associate. Yeah, you're forced to associate. <coughs> the only thing you can do is be as good a devotee as you can be. You have to be your very best. You know, you have to meditate harder and harder on Krishna and your service to Krishna, and say, "My dear Lord, you promised me in Bhagavad Gita that you would fill in what I'm missing." You see, you you said you would provide what I'm lacking. You preserve everything I have. You'll provide what I'm lacking. I'm lacking the ability to deal with this person, and I'm simply your devotee. You know, I'm I'm surrendered to you. So please help me. If you if you desire, please help me. You see, yes, bro. Um, <coughs> it made me think of a couple of different scenarios because. Divine and demonic natures can vary according to if the person actually is exercising violence or if they're actually just, well, this guy's just, you know, being a meanie or he said something bad bad nature. So I was thinking one tolerant tolerating personal onslaught, you know, we learned from the scriptures that which we said being a good devotee means we tolerate anything that comes to ourselves. Yeah. But then also Krishna and Prabhupada mentioned the Bhagavad Gita, six types of aggressors. If somebody's really a demon and they're really terrorizing, we don't turn the other cheek. Right. You know, we protect people, we protect the women, we protect the children, you know, from these we protect other devotees. You have to protect your property. Yeah. One of those aggressors is one who tries to usurp your property. You know, so yeah, if it's aggression towards others, then we have to do something. You know, if, if it's possible, we have to do something to stop it. To ourselves, we can be more tolerant. But to others, then we have a duty, you see. Especially if someone is being um, cruel and aggressive towards those who are helpless. Taking advantage in that way, you see. Then we have a, a duty. Just to add to this, I was at a temple where I had to call the cops several times on a Sunday feast. And I wasn't afraid to do it. Some people were like, well, I said, give me that phone. 
it's like, you know, we don't have to pretend that I have to do something, but if somebody's breaking the law, I mean, if it gets to that, that level of demonic nature, there's laws. You know, if somebody's breaking the law, it doesn't matter whether you're in the temple or on the street or in the church or in the mosque, you're breaking the law. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's to the point of where you do need to call the law, but you also you need to you need to go and say, look, my dear sir, this activity of yours has just ceased. Yeah. Because you're on your way out the door right now. So I need you to turn and head towards that opening over there immediately. <laughs> and no matter what they want to do or don't want to do, they're going out that door. Sometimes you have to do that. And then when the police come, you say, look, you know, I had to get this guy out of here, you know. Of course, it may be that they're doing something and you think, well, it's not going to hurt anybody, but it is illegal, so let's call the police and we'll surprise them. The police walk up and say, this guy right here, he's the one I, told, I called you about. And then they cuff him and take him. But sometimes you have, you, you have to make that judgment call and say, all right, this guy's got to go right now. You have to go. Yes? I have a question about your last thoughts. You said that when you come back, you're more wise. Yeah. What do you mean by that? You're more spiritually wise because you've chased after uh, impersonal Brahman realization, achieved it, achieved liberation. In other words, your soul didn't come back and take a birth immediately in this material world. You actually went to one, what some people would call heaven, but it's not. It's, it's, in, it's in the spiritual world. You went to the spiritual world. But you didn't get Krishna. You got his light. Because that's what you wanted. You wanted his light. You see? And you got it. You got everything that they promise you. Everything that you, they promise you in yoga class, in some of these yoga classes, that you'll get this, or the, it's not just yoga, but some of these books by the impersonalists. You get what they promise you for the most part. Whether or not you're going to be satisfied is another story. Because you, the eternal living entity, are used to being loved and having a loving relationship. And I'm not talking about on this earth planet. I'm talking about before you ever came here. Because you've always existed. You've always had a loving relationship with Krishna. And any desire for spiritualism is truly a desire to renew that relationship that's just become dormant in the heart. But we get misled. And my, I'm glad you asked that because I forgot to make my point as I sometimes do. We, start, we should start out with the end in mind. You know, first of all, you have to realize, what is it that I want? that'll make me eternally happy. Now, to realize that, I have to realize what's available. You see? Before I can make my choice, I want to, well, what are my choices? The problem is, people aren't being given all the choices. You can go merge in the beautiful light. Well, that sounds wonderful. I think I'll do that. And you practice, and practice, it's very very difficult to get that realization, to get that liberation. It's very difficult. Krishna says so. It's extremely difficult. It's there. You can get it. If that's what you want, go for it. But you need to know what your choices are. 
so that you because you may get it and say well I've wanted something else it's just like I've used this analogy before let's say you go into a restaurant and you're sitting there looking at the menu and everything seems real good but one thing in particular kind of stands out so you order that and they bring your food and you're eating you're thinking this is really good and you look over and that guy over there you look at what he's eating and you, you say wow that really looks great that's fabulous. So you call the waiter over and you say, hey, I didn't see that on the menu. And the waiter says, oh, that's not on the menu. He knows the chef. He asked for that. Oh, I didn't know that was available. Oh, well, she was, he did. He got it. So don't be like that. Don't go down the path and achieve impersonal Vermont realization and, re and, and, and say, none of you can say, now that you've been here and heard this, well, I didn't know that pure love of Godhead was available. Well, it is. Not on the menu. Well, we're, we put it on the menu. It's there, and you can get it. You can have it. All you have to do is go for it. Okay, one last question. It's free. And it's free. So once you merge with Krishna, or once you find the love of Krishna, and you devote your life to Krishna, then do you take birth or you don't? No. No. You don't come back. And then where are you? Goloka Vrindavan. Huh? And the home of Krishna. To exchange love with Krishna. Alright, so we've gone over, so let's uh, end it up. We can we can all eat together. You can get your plates and we'll eat together and we'll discuss more. So I welcome that. Alright, all glories to Srila Prabhupada and Father's Day. I guess if for one who can't, my abode, they never come back to this particular world.